You may be seated. Thank you, Randy. Thank you for changing the colors on the back there because I was going to go over if Italy's colors stayed up there. I'm excited. Let me tell you what I'm excited about. I'm excited about my team today, but more excited about our youth. And our youth went to camp this week. Can I get the youth to come on up? Come on up. Spent all week out in the heat. Hey, should I do the rest of this in an English accent? You probably wouldn't understand me, though. That's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> I kind of lost my English accent a little bit. That's what I used to sound like when I first came over. <laughs> so we had all these wonderful youth go to camp this week. And uh, was it good? Yes. Yeah. So I got a couple of questions for you. What was the highlight of the week? And if you want to answer, let me know and I'll give you the microphone. What was the highlight of the week? Tell us who you are, Drew. <laughs> the carnival was probably my favorite part. Carnival? What was good about the carnival? What, 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 what was that, the carnival? There was a meltdown where it was like an obstacle course. There was a 100-foot slide. Oh, wow. That is and awesome. And there was free cotton candy and free uh, popcorn snow cones. and snow cones. That's good. Anybody else? What was the highlight of your week? You can't volunteer someone else. <laughs> can't count on one On the very first day, there probably about half the group, if not more, surrendered their life to Jesus, and that was really awesome to see. For me, probably just the worship every single day. About, like, maybe an hour of worship a day. It was amazing. Hour of worship a day. That is amazing. Uh, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I had a video, but I never got it for you. Jiu-jitsu. What did you say? Jiu-jitsu. Jiu-jitsu. I saw the pictures of the jiu-jitsu. Say that. Speak that in the microphone. I felt closer to God. He said, see, this is what I love about this. So Drew's saying to him, but didn't you feel the closest you've ever felt to God? I mean, that's awesome. Girls, what was the highlight of the, of the weekend? <laughs> okay, so my favorite part, well, both of my friends got saved. Um, and so, yeah. And uh, it was also super fun because... There was, like, a lot of other people, and there was a lot of fun activities, and worship was good. <laughs> that is awesome. So I've got another question for you. What would you say to someone, if, if there was somebody sitting out there right now, and, and they're thinking, oh, you know, next year, maybe I'll go, maybe I won't go, what would you say to them? Go, it's really fun. Well, why? Why should they go? <laughs> You tell them. You tell them. You can try a whole bunch of new things. So 
I went to camp right before this, and I would say it was super fun because I got to meet new people, and it was really fun. Okay. There you go. Aiden wants to say something. Um, I'd say, like, I mean, I would go there probably because, I mean, when I went there, I got closer to all these people. I got closer to God, just everyone there who I hadn't already known. Awesome. All right. Well, go, go ahead, kind of. If you go to camp, no matter who you are, you're going to leave a better person. So I'd say that's probably what I'd say to them. Yep. So here's one last question. So some people made new commitments. Some people recommitted, right? Everybody came back on fire and and just closer to, to Jesus. How can we, your parents and us, help you stay on track? What could we do for you? Our parents could make us read a devotional every single day or maybe study the Bible. I don't know. <laughs> okay, read the Bible every day? Um, yeah, we did Bible study every day. and so You'd like to keep doing that? We could that. pray every night because we need to get closer to Jesus. So... I know there's praying every day. That's a good thing. But you should also just read a verse of the Bible. Read a verse of the Bible every day. Um, at least pray even more, even when, like, most people only pray when they're uh, getting ready to eat their food. But you can also pray just at any time in the day. Whenever you feel like you have a problem, you can pray, ask for Jesus to help you with that problem. Absolutely. That's awesome. Isn't that awesome? Thank you. Thank you all. I'm going to set you free now. I just have one last question for you. Why are you all wearing Italy's colors? It's Camp Copus. I'll let you go then. Thank you all. Isn't that awesome? You, you can go back to your seats. That I'm excited about. I mean, that is just, a, it, just to see these. We haven't had camp f- for a long time, COVID, just various reasons. And this year we just committed. We said, you know, this, this is part of the mission that we do at, at this church. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. But it's just so neat. I mean, day one, I got a text from Brandon first night. Four kids made read commitments. Two kids asked Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. And it's like, this is a good start. Amen. All right. We are in a series called Walking with Jesus 2021. Now, if you didn't get sermon notes, you need sermon notes. If you didn't get them, raise your hand and we'll get them to you. One over there. Anybody else? One at the back. One over here. Anyone else need them? I like to see these guys going back and forth. So if we can, we'll get one here and then one there. Anyone else need sermon notes? Going once, going twice, gone. So I titled today's message, Think Again. We recently completed a church-wide campaign called Transformed. And uh, most of the church were in that in small groups, daily study, the very things that the kids were just talking about. And the key verse for that whole campaign, anybody remember the key verse? Romans 12, 2, be 
transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be changed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change your thinking. Think again. And today, with our walk with Jesus, we're going to look at an event where where Jesus really brings that whole concept home. And, um, And in typical Jesus fashion... Not only does he bring it home, but I'm going to go back and do a little review of where we are. You'll see that Jesus has been demonstrating this idea that you've got to change your thinking right up to this point. And then he just slams it home with a great little parable. It's found in Luke chapter 5. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke 5, 33 through 39. So I'm going to read the short passage first, and then we're going to go back and kind of see what brings us to it. Luke 35, 33 to 39, reading from the NIV. Says they said to him, now we don't know who they is. Some some versions say that the Pharisees, but I'm not sure that it's the Pharisees, and you'll see why. They said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. So that's why I don't think it's the Pharisees. But yours go on eating and drinking. Jesus answered, Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days they will fast. He told him this parable, no one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment and the patch from the new one will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine would burst the skins, the wine would run out and the wineskins would be ruined. No, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one after drinking old wine wants the new, for they say, the old is better. And Jesus is teaching a very, very simple principle, and it's your first blank on your, your sermon outline. The old is gone. The new is here. If you want to keep up with what God is doing, you need to change your thinking. Amen. AKA, think again. Think again. Now, I want to have some fun with this this morning. I want to get you to participate with me. We'll see how good you are. Think again. Every time I do this, I want you to say, think again. Let's practice. That's good. Let's practice again. again. All right. I hear it here. I hear a murmur there. I hear nothing back in the masses back there. Now we can stay here till two o'clock where we can get this right. That's good. All right. Think again. That'll help bring it home. Think again. Think again. Think again. So let's kind of step back. I love the way that Luke orders his gospel. And that points to this, this point at the beginning of his gospel. Now, let me preface everything with this. Sometimes when we're reading the Bible, I don't know if you do this, I'll, I'll read something that the disciples say or do or the Pharisees say or do, and I, th- and I think to myself, what a bunch of idiots. You know, why, why do they think that way? Now, the reason that we look at it like that sometimes is because we have the advantage of hindsight. We have the whole New Testament. They didn't have any of that. This stuff was brand new. They just started, they just met Jesus. All they've got is the scriptures from the Old Testament, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, which was all the rules and the regulation. They didn't have the, all the stuff that we have. So, and I think if we were there walking in their shoes, we'd view things a lot differently from that perspective than from our perspective, looking back and thinking, well, you know. Why don't they listen to Jesus? They don't know who Jesus is. So that's a preface. Now here's the problem. Jesus didn't fit. He didn't make sense. He didn't fit from his birth all the way through to 
his crucifixion, he didn't fit what people understood to be true of Scripture. They were expecting a warrior king in the line of David. Someone's going to come and vanquish them from the Romans, and and they're looking out for him. They're, They're waiting for this warrior king, a royalty. Jesus comes as a baby. That doesn't fit. He's born into humble circumstances. That didn't fit. When he began his ministry, Jesus did some weird things. We don't think of it now. He begins his ministry by getting baptized. Now, why did Jesus go and get baptized? John's baptism was a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. Did Jesus need repentance? Nope. Did he need forgiveness of sins? Nope. But he went and got baptized. It didn't fit. Think again. And he kept doing these things. Then he goes from his baptism. He's led by the Holy Spirit. It says, the scripture says, the Spirit leads him into the wilderness to be tempted by the deceiver, by Satan. Now, why would God the Father, through God the Holy Spirit, lead God the Son into the wilderness to be tempted? It makes no sense. Think again. Nothing made sense. He comes out of there. He starts gathering these disciples around him. First ones he picks out are uneducated men. They're, they're fishermen, ordinary guys. Now, surely, if God comes down to walk on earth, who, who's he going to pick? He's going to pick the people that study his word, right? They've been expecting him. He, he's going to pick the, the, someone from the temple school or the synagogue, an educated person, a religious leader, someone who does training in the word of the his word, the law, that, that would make sense to gather those people around him, right? Because they know all about him. He didn't do that. He gets smelly. They would have been smelly. Uneducated fishermen. That doesn't fit. Think again. <laughs> and then in the middle of all this, we got the, the, the story of the leper, the outcast who people were not allowed to touch. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, he recognizes him. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. What were Jesus' great words? I am willing. I am willing. He touches him and he heals him and he forgives him. Only God can forgive sins. It makes no sense to the people who are watching. It's like, hang on a minute. You can't do that. Only God can do that. Think again. Come on, you're losing it. There you go. Then we had the story a couple of weeks ago of the paralyzed men. The, the friends bring him to Jesus. Remember the story? They can't get in the house. Everybody's crowded around in the house. They cut a hole through the roof. They lower him down. And Jesus says something that makes absolutely no sense for us, our theology, or their theology. It says, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. This is all kinds of wrong. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. How can you forgive somebody of their sins based on somebody else's faith? I don't fit anything that we teach. Think again. Nothing Jesus did fit. And then last week we looked. He's walking along and he, and he sees a tax collector. The worst of the worst. The sinner of sinners. And I love the way the, the New Living Translation puts it. Scum. 
(laughs) And Jesus calls the scum to come and follow him. And I'll guarantee you, even his current disciples would be looking at Jesus going, no way, Jesus, are you kidding us? You're going to make him part of us? Nothing Jesus did fit. Think again. Now, all of this stuff, you can go back to our website or or Facebook and you can pick up any of these messages. But it seems like it gets, Jesus has taken it from bad to worse. And all the way through, the message is the same message. You need to think again. Everything that you understood to be true about following God and, and what it means to be righteous, you need to think again. And now he's going to hammer this concept home in this little parable. So they challenge him. They said, why, why are you hanging out with these, this scum? That's the word. Why are you hanging out with this scum? Why, why are you having a party with this scum? And Jesus turns to them. We looked at this last week. He said, I didn't come to, to people who think they are righteous. I came to those who are sinners and know they need to repent. So I'm a doctor. I'm not a priest. So then they said to him, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours go on eating and drinking. Now, it seems like this was at a festival time. They should have been fasting. Now, there's a couple of things. You've got to understand something about Jesus. He's having a party here. Jesus is having a party. This is not a religious, ooh, let's do a Bible study. I'm sure Jesus was teaching, but they're having a party. He's hanging out with sinners, and he's having a party. And they, whoever they are, don't like it. You're not righteous enough, Jesus. What do you think you're doing? Hanging out with these people. Hanging out with sinners. And these disciples of yours, they're not very righteous either. How come they don't fast and pray like the religious people? Now, they're being very devious. They're being quite smart here in the way they question him. They know that Jesus thinks highly of John. So they said, John's disciples often fast and pray because they're good disciples. They're good followers of of God. Your disciples don't seem to do this. Now, some of these disciples that they're talking of used to be John's disciples. They used to often fast and pray. Well, now they've gone to Jesus because Jesus, he sees John. uh, uh, John sees Jesus. He says, there's the Lamb of God. And his disciples say, oh, we better go with the Lamb of God. And off they go. Well, they used to fast and pray often. Now they're hanging out with Jesus and they're not fasting and praying often. In fact, they're sitting here with a bunch of sinners having a party. So these critics come and say, they used to be holy, Jesus, but now they're not holy because they're hanging out with you. If that's not enough, even the disciples of the Pharisees, who we know you don't like, even they fast and pray often. Now, Jesus does what Jesus does so well. He uses their criticism as an opportunity to teach. He says, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. In those days, they will fast. Now, what Jesus is doing here is he's identifying who he is. He's telling them, what's the purpose of fasting? Did I put this in here? Yes, the purpose of fasting and praying is to draw close to the Lord. 
It's to have a, a, a time where, where you're not dependent upon your own strength. That's why you fast. It makes you weak. You've got to depend upon God. And, and it's a concentrated time of getting closer to God. Now, Jesus commanded on this. He didn't say, if you fast. He said, when you fast. Fasting and, and prayer should be a part of every Christian's life. But you fast and you pray when you want to get close to God. Often they would fast and pray if they had a need or something was coming up, that they, an urgent need. Like, I have been fasting for days. I'm hoping Italy... Cr- no. If they needed to get close to God, if they had something going on, they would fast and pray. Now, what Jesus is saying here is they don't need to fast and pray to get close to the Lord because they're sitting at the table with the Lord. I'm right here with them. They don't need to fast and pray to get close to me. We're having a conversation together. And then he foreshadows something. He says, but the time is coming when I will be taken away from them. It's kind of neat, the little words in there, that I will be taken away. He's not saying the time is coming when I go to leave. I will be taken away. Then they will fast and pray. Then he ties everything together with this neat little parable. He told them this parable. No one tears a piece out of a new garment to patch an old one. Otherwise, they will have torn the new garment, and the patch from the new will not match the old. See a lot of girls these days walking around with jeans with tears in them, right? That's, that's the fashionable thing everywhere. Used to be fashionable some years ago, too. It's kind of re-caught on. It's not always been fashionable. I remember when I was a kid, I was terrible. My jeans were always torn. My knees were always hanging out. Usually my butt was hanging out. They were always torn. And I was one of those kids that I was always climbing trees and doing things with my friends or climbing over fences and stealing people's apples from apple trees. Like We were bad. And I'd always get my clothes caught on something and they would always be torn. And my mom was forever sewing patches on my jeans. But she wouldn't buy a new pair of jeans to tie a patch on the old pair of jeans, right? That wouldn't make any sense. She kept some of the old ones. And when these ones kind of got old and they got raggedy, she'd cut up the old ones and and sew a patch on them. Should I tell you this story? No. (laughs) Thank you, Hector. I was terrible. I remember we were doing exams at the end of school year. I was 15. So this, I mean, I wasn't like seven. And um, the rule was you're supposed to stay at school. You could do your exam, but there were no lessons. And me and my friend, we did something that was called mitching. It's when you sneak out of school. So we snuck out of school. We went down to Hamwoods and we're going through the woods. I got my school uniform on. Nice pants, not jeans. And we're going through Hamwoods, and, and we see this rope hanging from a tree. And there's this great big steep bank that, that slopes down, and the rope's out there. And, and I, I run, and I grab the rope, and I'm spinning, you know, spin out, and the rope snapped. And I went quite a ways down, and I landed. As I was spinning, I broke my shoulder and tore my pants. <laughs> and I remember my sister's probably watching and I remember going home and uh, sneaking in the house because my mom, very calm-tempered person. <laughs> I think I've shared this with you before. The other parents on our street used to threaten their kids with my mom. 
If you don't behave, I'm going to go and get Mrs. Bishop. No! <laughs> and, I, and I was so afraid because of the hole in, in, in my pants, nice pants like these. And I, I snuck in and I said to my sister, well, do you think mom will notice? And she looked at me. This bone was snapped. <laughs> and my arm is hanging down here. And she said, yeah, I think she's going to notice. <laughs> I had my arm in a sling for six weeks or whatever it was. But that was how I was. But two problems. What Jesus is saying are two problems when you're trying to sew, patch a, a garment. Two things. If you get jeans, what happens when you wash them? They fade and what else happens? They shrink, right? They fade and they shrink. So you've got a hole in your old jeans. You get some new cloth to, to put on there. Number one, it doesn't look the same because it's not faded. And number two, it's not shrunk. So you put them in the wash and then the, the patch shrinks, but the other jean, the rest of the jeans are already shrunk. Next time you put them on, that thing is going to rip again because it's too small. And what Jesus is saying here, the old does not go with the new. I think I put that in it. The old and the new don't go together. The patch from the new will not match the old. Then he takes it another step further. He talks about this wine. He says, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst the skins and the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No new wine must be poured into new wineskins. Exactly the same principle. If you know anything about fermenting wine, when it gets to the last stages of fermentation, it produces a gas. So they used to have these wineskins and the wineskin would stretch over time. But if you've got a brand new wineskin, it's not stretched, it, it, it's still tight, and you put new, old wine, sorry, if you've got an old wine skin that's already stretched out and you put new wine in it, as that continues to ferment, it stretches the seams of the, of the wine skin and eventually splits it, you ruin the wine skin, you lose your wine. So Jesus is a real simple principle, you put new wine in new wine skins and old wine in old wine skins. What's he saying? Think again. You've got to change your thinking. His point is, if you want to stay current with what God is doing, you've got to change your mind. Now, what did they need to change their mind about? They needed to change their mind about what it means to be righteous. Jesus redefined, that's in your notes, what it means to be righteous. Let me catch up to my notes here. Oh, it says we're done. That's awesome. <laughs> That's a half an hour more now. <laughs> the old and the new don't mix. Here's what he's telling them. God is doing a new thing. And in order for you to keep up with God, you've got to change your thinking. Now, it was righteousness he was talking about. If you go back to verses 31 and 32, right before this, when he's answering the Pharisees, he says, but Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I've come to call those who, not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Now, Jesus said that his coming would cause division. He said, I'm going to cause division. He said, I'm going to be a stumbling block to some. Now, what did he mean? He came to bring a new way of thinking. 
You see, after Jesus, we had to redefine what it means to be righteous. It's all changed. Righteousness always means to be in a right standing with God. What does righteousness mean? To be in a right standing with God. Okay, that's important. Prior to Jesus, to be in a right standing with God, you obeyed all the rules. All the festivals, everything, all the hoops that you had to jump through. If you did those things, you were righteous. I'm doing Ezekiel in my own private study, personal study. And I read this the other day, and I thought, this just fits so well. So God is talking to Ezekiel. He says, son of man, give your people this message. The righteous behavior of righteous people will not save them if they turn to sin. Nor will the wicked behavior of wicked people destroy them if they repent and turn from their sins. When I tell righteous people that they will live, but then they sin, expecting that their past righteous, expecting their past righteousness to save them, then none of their righteous acts will be remembered. In other words, Jesus is not grading on a curve. I will destroy them for their sins. And suppose I tell some wicked people that they will surely die, but then they turn from their sins and do what is just and right. For instance, I love this, they might give back a debtor's security, return what they have stolen, and obey my life-giving laws, no longer doing what is evil. If they do this, then they will surely live and not die. None of their past sins will be brought up again, for they have done what is just and right, and they will surely live. So God is very plainly teaching that the pathway to him is through righteousness. And this is kind of a scary teaching, and a lot of faith still believe this. I remember when my parents were involved with the Jehovah's Witnesses. There was a definite sense that you can live a righteous life, but if on the day that you died, you had messed up, too bad. You missed. The Mormons teach exactly the same thing. Some Christian faiths teach that. You can be saved, but, you know, you can lose your salvation. You can see where they get that kind of thinking from. Righteousness was something that you earned with righteous behavior. Now, this is God's teaching. That's what they would have understood because it's God's teaching. Along comes Jesus and he says, think again. I'm changing everything. That was pre-Jesus. It's all change. All change from here on in. Post-Jesus, to be in a right standing of God, meant that you accept his son fully and completely. He says, I will be your righteousness. Your righteousness is not about your behavior anymore. Your righteousness comes through faith in Jesus Christ. He redefined what it means to be righteous. Now, here's the problem. And I love the way Jesus does this. He, he set it out. Matthew 5.20 says, but I warn you, So he's talking to the people. This is part of the Sermon on the Mount. Unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, that's a big problem because those guys, they obeyed the law to the nth degree. So Jesus is talking to the ordinary person. He's saying, unless you're more righteous than them, and he had a lot of choice names for them, you brood of vipers. Unless you're more righteous than them, forget heaven. Now, who here thinks they're more righteous than a Pharisee who obeys everything in all? Anybody? 
And even if you did, you'd be, you wouldn't want to put your hand up, right? So what's Jesus saying to us? You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The problem goes deeper. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Just in case there was some person out there that thought, well, I'm pretty good. I'm doing okay. I don't lie. I help little old ladies cross the road. I'm doing pretty good. Now, here's the problem. The only way, <laughs> the only way that one can consider themselves righteous is by lowering your standard. And you, then you start comparing yourself to other people. That's where we measure our righteousness. At least I'm not. I'm so much better than. That's where judgmental, you know, churches that, that are not very graceful tend to be judgmental. If they, if they lean toward, well, you better be good. You better not do this. You better not. Uh, rules and regulations, you tend to get judgmental because you're always living under this cloud of I'm not good enough. Well, how do I become good enough? I just got to be better than you. And then you start looking down on people. Romans 3, 20 to 22 says, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. That was the purpose of the regulations. You know, you ever looked at the Ten Commandments? It's really not that bad. You know, love God, don't murder people, don't steal, don't be jealous. Honor your mom and dad. Oh, God, that's just way over the top, man. I mean, how are we ever going to... They're really not that bad. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him. What is right? It is to be righteous. Without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. You didn't have to be Jewish anymore. You didn't have to be God's chosen people. God opened the door. He said, anybody who accepts my son, I sent my son. He lived and he died for you. And if you will accept him, I will give you my forgiveness. He will be your righteousness. I made it so easy. Anyone. Anyone. What does it mean to place your faith in Christ? Romans 10, 8 to 10. And the message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. The BTT, number one, believe. God, I believe you sent your son. I believed he lived a perfect life. I believe he died for my sins so that I may be forgiven. T is trust. I believe it so much, I want him to be the Lord of my life. I want to live his way. You see, and this is the flip-flop. We don't become followers of God because we are righteous. We are righteous because we are followers of God. It's simple, but it's a flip-flop. And the last T is tell. Proclaim it. I believe. I trust. Thank you, God. 
So very, very simple. Now, most of us already know that, right? I'm preaching to a home crowd. And if there's anyone here who's not taken those steps, I'll give you an opportunity in a moment or out there on the internet. So how do we apply this teaching to our lives? What's it got to do with us as, as Christians? And All right. Two hours. <laughs> Jesus adds this little sentence on the end. And it's only in Luke. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new. For they say, the old is better. That describes us. It doesn't matter how uncomfortable the old ways are, we like the old ways. I mean, how many of us have said to our kids or our grandkids, well, when I was a child, (laughs) we're telling them how it was. I love you go on the internet. You know, you listen to a song from the 80s or the 90s. There's all kinds of comments. People these days, they don't know what music is. This is back in the day. This was music. I remember thinking the 80s is the decade that God forgot music. (laughs) I kind of like it. It grew on me later. But But we like the old, you know. It's like the old worn out shoes. You put the new ones on. They look good, but they're not comfortable. You want to put your old ones back on. Because, man, you know, they let the water in and they got a little slit in the side there. But, man, they feel good. And we like the old way. You got to think again. Think again. Jesus says you got to let go of the old way. It's no longer about rules and regulations. It's no longer about what you do. It's not about what you bring to Jesus. And this is your blank here. It's about who you bring to Jesus. And that's the focus. Our behavior is important, but our behavior is only important as far as it advances the kingdom of God. Are we living a life that is attractive to people who are separated from God so that we can bring them into relationship with God? It says, be ambassadors, therefore, for Jesus. Go ahead and tell them, be reconciled to Jesus. That's why I love the whole thing with the youth. Brandon, Courtney, Nancy, John, change their minds. We're going to serve these youth. We're going to serve these young people. Do you know what I believe? And here's a change of thinking. Used to be a day when we would go out and knock on doors and we're looking for people that, that just need to get the message of Jesus Christ. Those days are gone. Because people don't want you to knock on their doors these days. They're very defensive. They're against Christianity. You go banging on a door, they put a barrier up. In fact, you take them further away from Jesus usually. It's all about relationship. It's all about living in such a way that they see something in you that they want. But I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe the greatest mission field that we've got these days is already inside the walls of this church. It's our children and it's our youth. That is the greatest influence that we have on anybody at this time. You know what I love about the two girls that asked Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior? They weren't here, were they? Because they don't go to this church. 
They were friends of your family, right? They were invited to go to youth camp. One time I ever went to youth camp as a leader, years ago, was here. And my niece from England was here on vacation. And there was another young lady that the worship leader at the time, his family was friends with, the, with this young lady. She didn't attend Lakeway. And I remember Danu, my niece, and she may be watching, and, and this young lady, Amber, made a pact. They said, we're going, to, we're going to this camp with all these church people and, and they're going to do this church stuff. Let's, let's us stay strong and not do that. Daniel came back a Christian, asked Jesus Christ to be her Lord and Savior. Amber resisted for about another three months. And we had lots and lots of conversations, Amber and I, and eventually she, I want this Jesus. We have a mission field right here. Now, I'll bring this up for two reasons. So youth camp is done. You heard what those kids said, though, right? I want someone to read the Bible with me. I want someone to pray with me. I want to know about Jesus. Every day we did an hour's worth of worship. Wish I could do that. Isn't that awesome? What do we give them? An iPad. Go play. It's our babysitter. This is our mission field. Coming up, not next week, but the week after next, is Vacation Bible School. That's our mission field. You know, I had a funny conversation. <laughs> I was talking to, I um, can't remember if I was talking to Libby or Amy. They're the two that are leading. And I said, well, how many kids do we have? And she said, well, about 25. She said, the weird thing is, none of the Lakeway kids are signed up. I said, what? <laughs> we have 25 kids, but none of the Lakeway kids, maybe one or two of the kids are signed up. Now, we've got grandkids, don't we? And we've got kids here. Why have we not signed them up for vacation Bible school? So I'm going to tell you to do something right now. Can you move on the slides? Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. I put them out of order. I'm sorry. Keep going. There. See that QR code? Somewhere on here is a laser. See that there? If you get your phone out right now, and you focus your phone on that, it will take you to the registration for Vacation Bible School. Take your phone out. If you've got grandkids that are not signed up or you've got kids that are not signed up, take a picture of that and register your kids for Vacation Bible School. They need to be in it. I also need still a couple of people. We need some supplies. Um, we need next week. We're going to put the sets up and, and decorate the rooms the Sunday before. Folks, I'm not begging. Yeah, yeah, I'm all right. List of supplies. Thank you, Sandra. That's why I have her. Just outside this door on the right is a little booth. You see the supplies. If you can fill some of those supplies, put your name there, okay? So that the next person that goes, we're not all buying pencils. So you can see, okay, I'll get this, this, and this, and this. And then bring it on up to the church this week and we'll know that we've got those. But the best thing that we can do is invite kids to vacation Bible school. This is our mission, folks. 
So let me just finish with this. It's 12.03. Where do you need to change your thinking? Remember we did transformed? Where do you need to change your thinking about what it means to be righteous and about who you need to get closer to Jesus Christ? What relationships do you need to work on? What conversations do you need to have? What, where do you need to step out of your comfort zone? Because the most important thing that we can do as a church is bring people to Jesus. That's what we're here for. Sometimes we think the church is all about singing hymns together and listening to a sermon. That's a part of it. But we're here to bring people to Jesus. Who are you bringing to Jesus? I want you to write those names down. I want you to begin praying. I want you to think again again about what it means to be a follower of Christ. Am I making anyone uncomfortable here? I hope I am. Because we need to be uncomfortable. We need to step out of our comfort zone and do what Jesus did, right? Think again. All right. Enough of this. If you were part of Transformed, you should have got a little questionnaire when you came in. If you didn't get a little questionnaire when you came in, I'm going to send that link to your small group leader, and we want you to let us know, give us some feedback about Transformed. We want to get people back to these goals again that you signed up, because it's easy to let it go, right? We signed up for all these, oh, I want to lose weight, I want to do this, I want to get closer to God, I want to pray more, I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to, I don't remember what I want to. But I wanted to back then. So I want you to fill that out. You can either go online or we'll send you that link or just fill out the thing right now and drop it in the offering as you leave. All right, what else have we got here? I'm yapping on and on here and the game's getting closer and closer. Not that that's bothering me. That's it, folks. Promise keepers. Thank you, Hector. Thank you, Hector. Here again. We have nine tickets, nine tickets that we already paid for, 10, eight, good. We got another one this morning, eight tickets. I've shared this week in and week out. Promise Keepers for me has been one of the most life-changing things I've ever been to. And every time I go, I experience the same thing. Now, if you're sitting here right now, guys, and you haven't signed up, sign up. Make a donation. If you can't make a donation, sign up. Let me know. Let Bob know. Is Bob in here? Paul, is Paul in here? Let us know and and we'll sign you up. The tickets are already paid for. We paid for them last year. If you know somebody, if you've got a neighbor or a friend, you think, man, it doesn't matter if they go to Lakeway, this could be of value to them. Let us know. We'll sign them up. But if you're not signed up, Get signed up. Deal? Deal or no deal? Deal. That's not a very encouraging deal, is it? All right. Let's pray. If you've never, ever taken that step, BTT, believe, trust, and tell. If you've never taken that step like two of those young people did this week 
to change your thinking about what it means to be in a right standing with God. And you've always believed that you've got to be good and you've got to do all these things and you've never taken that step. I'm going to ask you to change your thinking today and say, I want to trust you, Jesus. And you can pray a simple prayer. Lord, I believe in Jesus. I believe he came, lived a perfect life. I believe he wants to forgive my sins. I want to trust him as my Lord and Savior. Simple prayer. You're telling Jesus. If you've never done that, you can do that today. Lord, come into my life. Forgive me and change me. I want to be your follower. And Father, if there's someone out there today and we know someone that doesn't know you, Father, I pray that you would give us the courage to reach out to that person, to build those relationships, to bring people to know you. Father, I thank you that you know us and that you love us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Our offering, we have an offering bucket over there. You can go online and give your offering. You can mail your offering in. We don't pass the thing around these days. So please be faithful with your offering. Anything else that I've forgotten? Can I just say something? Yes. If you've signed up for Promise Keepers uh, and need transportation, please see us. Oh, right. What time does it start on Friday again? Friday at 6.30. 6.30. So we'll, we'll need to leave 5.30. And then it ends on Saturday at 2.30, I believe. So it starts at 9 a.m. Saturday morning. It ends at 2.30. So we'll probably want to be 7.30-ish. 7.30. Pardon me? Doors open two hours. So see Bob, and he is going to coordinate transportation. All right, sounds good. Please stand. Let me just pray God's blessing upon you. Heavenly Father, I just give you thanks for each one that you brought here this morning. Father, would you pour out your blessing so that as we go from here, we can be a blessing to everybody we meet. Father, let your love just flow out of us in such a way that whoever looks at us thinks, I want what they have. And we can gladly say, what I have is Jesus Christ. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Thank you all for coming.